it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you are listening to this. This is the Often Daunted Podcast with me, your host, Burke White. I'm sitting here recording on Friday night after uh, both the Maryland and the Illinois game have wrapped up here. Um, just wanted to get this recording in for you, just so you have something to listen to. Um, if you needed anything to listen to while getting ready for these holidays, I wish you and yours a very happy holidays here. Um, and uh, yeah, if this is your first time listening to the Often Daunted podcast, as I do every episode, I am going to be recapping the game. Now, this episode is a bit different, as I will be recapping both the Moorhead State game and the much more fun to recap North Alabama game. Recording both of them because of just the quick turnaround and just a bunch of holiday, just a bunch of family holiday stuff we had to go through. Or yeah, go to. I shouldn't say go through. That makes it sound terrible. It was a blast. So yeah, I'll be recapping both of those before getting into the latest news around the Indiana basketball program. Anything out there worth mentioning. After that, I'll get into some of the news around the conference, around the country, before getting into some of the results around the Big Ten since the last time of recording. And uh, after that, as I do every episode, I will be getting into a preview of the upcoming opponent, that being Kennesaw State. And uh, on this episode, a special uh, Christmas episode of the Often Daunted podcast for you, I will be just doing a little just bullcrap uh Christmas segment for you. I'll throw that in right before the Hoosier history hit, and uh, then we'll get you on out of here. Thank you so much for giving me the listen. If you haven't subscribed to the show, uh, doesn't I mean doesn't cost you anything. Might as well do it. Uh, just help my ego out, and <laughs> I would truly appreciate it. If you do enjoy the show, after all is said and done, please feel free to leave a five star rating. If you hate the show, do not leave a rating at all, please. And thank you. So, without further ado, let's get into the recaps. Starting with Morehead State, and of course, hey, it wasn't pretty. It was definitely not pretty, but uh, the Hoosiers still got that 69-68 victory. They won the race to 69 just in time, and uh, yeah, as we do every episode that we have a victory to celebrate, I am going to begrudgingly play the song. Our Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you, Indiana. Oh, I just repeated the freaking lyrics wrong, my bad. It's, it's late here. It's late here. Thank you for putting up with it. All right. Yep. I played it. I wasn't too pumped to play it, but I played it. I mean, thank Christ Indiana was able to avoid disaster because that's legitimately what it would have been. If Indiana loses this game, that is an abject disaster Um, with just no solid wins on the table as far as our non-con goes. This was a must win and the Hoosiers, thank God they pulled it out. I mean, we need to be whooping on teams right now like this, like Moorhead State, but at least it cannot be like when they go to the graphic come March, come the pre-selection show, like at least it cannot be listed. Bad loss, Moorhead State at Indiana. I am so grateful that these guys figured it out, that they put up a fight towards the end to uh, be able to avoid that altogether because it would take a hell of a whole lot in conference to make up for that. But, I mean, throughout the start of this game, the Hoosiers' inability to get up for the games was, for, to get up for games was on full display at the tip in this one. This game was an absolute bummer of a watch from the tip and uh, up until damn near the entirety of this game. Moorhead State looked ready to go, and the Hoosiers just did not refill the tank quick enough following that close Kansas loss. And, uh, yeah, they were just unable to come out and dictate this game as much as Indiana should have by every measure. That first half was a story of Moorhead ready to go and the Hoosiers looking entirely hungover as a unit. 
the inability to find the bucket, Indiana routinely walking the ball up as opposed to getting out to run in transition and the free rebounding. Like, oh, Lord, oh, God, the rebounding. Like, all in all, they, they may have been, this may have been the single most lifeless, like, bull crap play I've seen the Hoosiers squad bring in some time. Just, that, might, that was one of the worst halves of Hoosier basketball we've seen. Heading into that half, that first half, down uh, 25 to 36, just nothing. I mean, 0 for 3 for Kalel, 0 for 1 for Gabe, 0 for 5 for McKenzie, 0 for 6 as a team from deep. Our leading scorer at the half was our sixth man off the bench, Anthony Walker, with 8 points. And uh, yeah, I'll discuss him in a bit, but it it was just astounding how it seems like by the time the ball was hitting the like rim before the rebound, our guys' hands were just at their side. Moorhead State was ready to go. And honestly, the fact that in that first half, Moorhead State won the rebounding battle 25-22, to 22, you would have thought it was 25-12. to 12. You, thought, you would have thought it was 25-10. to 10. And it, like, like The worst stretch of play throughout all this had to be that five-and-a-half-minute scoring drought the Hoosiers decided to go on. I was starting to get physically ill, like watching just within the walls of my own home what was happening. Luckily, after the 36-25 to 25 deficit into the half, Something must have happened at halftime. Something must have happened at halftime, like to light a fire under the Hoosiers. Despite that fire and then beginning to find something, Moorhead State kept being more aggressive on the boards throughout that. And uh, that was up until Indiana had to utilize every bit of the most impressive run I've ever seen from them on the season. It only took a 17-0 run for the Hoosiers to take the lead, 66-64, to with about three minutes left in this game. The Hoosiers' free throw shooting, like, the Hoosiers' free throw shooting was terrible throughout this. Possibly due to the hangover that comes after playing a game as heavy as that Kansas one was. But it really just was a failure of a performance at the charity stripe. 3 for 9 in the first half, 13 for 19 in the second half. Made it a little more respectable. But if you are shooting 57% from the line, that is a problem. That is a team-wide issue. That needs to be addressed. And that ain't going to win many games. But thank Christ we were able to put something together to win this one. The Twin Towers of Malik, Renu, and, uh, and Kalel Ware's struggles from the floor continued well into this game after their poor outing from the floor following that Kansas outing. Sure, Deontay Miles brought some size for the Eagles to utilize defensively, but that game was a matchup that needed to be much more one-sided. When the Hoosiers' game plan is get the ball inside, we need these two guys to be able to convert more than six times from the floor in the course of any game. Moorhead State was flooding the lane and even tripling these guys in some scenarios, and Moorhead State knew that it, the Indiana shooting was not going to beat them from the outside, so they defended accordingly. Fair or unfair, even despite the heavy pressure, Malik and Kalel both need to be able to get more in situations like this. Malik was sweating bullets like three minutes into this one. To an extent, I was like, oh boy, this guy looks, he looked ill. And uh, we, we got a lot of game left to go in this game. He was routinely pressing his luck on the defensive end, closing out hard but late, and really asking the Eagles to push for blocking fouls if they wanted them. Now, I don't want to say that they didn't entirely bring it, like Malik and Kalel, because down the line defensively on the on the rebounds, like Malik put in some work getting up to nine rebounds on the night. Also, being able to limit himself to two turnovers, um, despite how much the pressure they were throwing on him. I, I do respect that. But yeah, with, with the foul trouble, he was only able to get 22 minutes in this game, Malik was. And yeah, I mean, his the overall presence of his overall presence in the game would speak to that. Um, you wish we had him out there longer. You wish we could have afforded to. Um, but yeah, he was he was a little reckless on the defensive end, just needed to tighten it up. And uh, thank God for the North Alabama game where he definitely did get into that one in a bit. But uh, more on this uh, Moorhead State game, just Kalel was struggling throughout this one. Just, just struggling a lot. And uh, Deontay Miles was a big, strong body. He absolutely was. They were talking about how he was at Xavier, the 7-footer, and uh, just transferred to Moorhead State to get more time, get more shine. 
and he absolutely did a decent job covering Kalel. As Kalel's, yeah, the the lack of efficiency was present in this one again. Just following that Kansas game where he wasn't quite dialed in, it, it, it lingered here. Hopefully that's just a quick turnaround. Hopefully that's just how exhausting maybe that Kansas game was. But I have to have faith that based on everything else he's brought this season, like he'll he'll be able to find it we'll, and we'll have it next game. Give the kids some rest. I'm sure he'll get it back. But uh, yeah, for, for the night, Kalel had 31 minutes where he went three for eight from the field. Four for five from the three free throw line, so he was not part of that issue. Adding on that, six rebounds, grabbing some boards for us, and uh, two assists, ten points on the night. Yeah, yeah. See, that's ten points is crazy. He got to the line that often, but yeah, that was a quiet ten points. Um, that being said, I, I don't expect him to have many nights like that. I, I, I expect him to be able to bring it as he has all season. Mackenzie's game, isolated from how the team was playing as a whole in this one, should be a source of optimism as he continued to show his growing presence in the offense as a young and highly talented player. He's been really allowing these last few outings to grow his confidence and his comfort, having to be a more fruitful source of production for this team. By no means did he shoot his best from the floor. 3 for 14 on the night is usually not going to cut it. But I feel like in this game, he was making the connection of just how he can still get to the free throw line to uh, boost his point totals for this squad. He was looking to press the issue and get to the line, and credit to him for being a uh, an impeccable shooter from the charity stripe, as he is now shooting a 94% rate from there on the season. Gabe Cups was essential to Indiana being able to put the clamps on at the end and uh, have the run they did, that 17-0 run in the second half, to uh, win this game. Gabe was closing out quick, defending his man tight, nullifying a backcourt that was having their way behind the arc prior to that clampdown. And it, it was a team-wide clampdown. But I just respected how Gabe was able to fill in. As a freshman, man, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing that he's being asked to do what he is, and he is stepping up to some extent to, do, like, to fill this position, to fill that role. Of course, we all want X back, but Gabe Cups is starting to fill this role more and more each game, and uh, I was glad to see him be a critical part of that off that defense to uh, help in that lockdown effort. Trey Galloway was able to follow up his production against Kansas with a bit more humble output in this one, but uh, still really, really important that he did bring what he had in this game. 14 points on 6 for 13 from the floor, not going in at the highest rate of conversion, but I was grateful to see that Trey was going to keep attacking and keep shooting when the defense presents the opportunity to do so here. 2 for 4 from deep. He is taking these shots more confidently, and I'm glad to see that the range is starting to reacquaint itself here. Not saying he's got it back by any means, just glad to see he's actively looking to get his shots up and optimistic of what that will do for his efficiency down the line. In this game, I mean, after, after pretty much no bench production in the Kansas game, Anthony Walker stepped up in a big way off the bench to keep the Hoosiers in this game at several points here. 7 for 11 on the day from the floor for his season high, and uh, for the Hoosiers game high, 18 points. He even he even drained a three pointer where there there were, there was not a single one of us that thought he had any any business taking that three pointer. But I mean, he drained it. So <laughs> he played extremely well and uh, just brought a level of effort into this that was unaffected by the psychologically draining effort of those around him at times. Lastly, let's uh, let's talk about Lathan. Lathan looked every bit like the typical mid-major heroes that uh, tend to show up when playing Indiana at Assembly Hall. You have to wonder, like, had his contact not been giving him the fits, does Indiana still make that incredible comeback run to save themselves from what would be a season hope-ending loss? Just a scary thought, man. He, he was lighting us up. And, yeah, it, that contact may have done more for us than we know. With most of my thoughts on that game in the books, let's uh, get on to the good, the bad, and the ugly for that one. Be good. Indiana somehow finding 
it within themselves to secure the win, no matter how desperately they needed it. And uh, Anthony Walker, I'll give him an, I'll give him a good nod. Anthony Walker's presence was mandatory for the Hoosiers to pull this out. Thank God he was bringing it off the bench. Glad to see that he's able to do that for us. The bad front court inefficiencies. That, that is my main bad choice. Like, man, it, they were painful in that Moorhead State game. They were painful. The front court just was not able to find it, not able to get it going. And uh, if this team is going to rely so heavily on the front court, we need them to convert. We, I mean, that's just the that's just math. I mean, no, it's not math. That's just uh, yeah. If our formula for success is our front court, they need to be successful. And they they just weren't in that Morehead State game, especially in that first half. And lastly, the downright ugly. Now, the downright ugly for this game, the it was just an entirely lifeless effort in the first half. So that first half effort, downright ugly. The uh, quick turnaround is no excuse for what we saw there. That can never happen. In the Big Ten, that can never happen. And I hope they got it out of their system here. The Showalter Fish of the game for that game, we are going to be giving that to Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker stepped up in a big way to keep the Hoosiers in this at times, as he was the only one doing much in that first. And, uh, yeah, just really glad to see that this veteran, he, he he took a chance. He headed to Indiana to get some more time to be able to help a team more than he thought he could at Miami. And, uh, yeah, grateful for how much he's helping us. Now, on to the North Alabama game. Let's, all right, shake that one off. Shake that game off. That Moorhead State game is dead and gone because we also just saw the North Alabama game. That is a tale of two Hoosier teams there. What an absolute pleasure to watch. Indiana controlled that one from wire to wire, resulting in the Indiana victory 83-66. to So, as we do after victories, you're getting this song twice today. Uh, Indiana, or Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you. Yep, you get the song twice because that is two Hoosier victories. One much more pretty than the other. I am so happy with how the Hoosiers performed in this North Alabama game, and you should be too. Indiana headed into this game as 13-point favorites from both Vegas and Kempom. And uh, after the Moorhead outing, on short rest, the one, one would be completely justified in believing that the Hoosiers may not have been ready to take the floor for their third game in six days. The boys stood strong and brought it from the tip. These guys looked far more engaged across the board in every, asset, in every aspect of basketball. No blank stares into the void that we saw in the, that Moorhead State game. These guys were locked in and finally hitting the three. Finally hitting the three. God bless it. They were finally hitting the three. 12 for 24 from deep. I really hope we didn't just spend all of it there. I really hope we did not just spend everything there. I'm hoping that the team can garner the necessary confidence from this one. Indiana's 12 threes were the most drained in the Mike Woodson era, and that 12 was also twice as many as the previous season high of six. We don't need this every night, but if Indiana can bring something close to this, close to this on a regular basis, this team will be a problem for their opponents moving forward. When those shots go in, we got to see how the offense as a whole gets to open up and move more freely at every level. The threats of shots falling were allowing the Hoosiers to move the ball at a rate we hadn't seen all season, leading to 25 assists as a team in this game. Indiana was setting each other up for the best opportunities possible, and go figure, the Hoosier, effic- the Hoosier efficiency was good enough to take advantage of those opportunities. Malik, absolutely on fire, followed up that just less than Malik showing in the game before to just take over in this one. 16 points in the first half alone, ending the night with 25 points with a perfect 4-for-4 four four from three-point range. Inside or out, he was doing it at every level of the floor on the offensive end. Sure, Malik had four turnovers, but if he's looking to get it done to the extent at which he did today, 
we can survive his turnovers. That 25 points is Malik's new career high, and we have to hope that this game can carry him into the next and then into Big Ten play, ready to compete as fiercely as he did here. Malik came out from the jump and was going to make sure that the Hoosiers took that game with no doubt to be had. If I had to describe Kalel in that game, it was as if he were a lion in the tall grass. On the defensive side, you saw North Alabama's hesitancy to take the lane, even if it were open to them. Kalel's shot, Kalel shot blocking potential was filled every second he was on the floor. He struck fear into the other side. Also, he was a lion in the tall grass on the offensive end. He was consistently a threat for the defense of leaping at a moment's notice for an alley-oop. This was Kalel's first game of the season where he hadn't gotten to a double-double. While offensively, overall, it wasn't a typically dominant performance as he had eight points, three rebounds, and two assists, but he didn't have to be in this one with what Malik was giving us. He didn't have to be dominant Kalel to uh, will the Hoosiers a victory. Malik took care of business. And when we needed when we needed Kalel, he was there. When we needed him to rise up and slam down an oop, he was there. So I'm going to hope that this holiday rest can allow him to refuel himself to be able to bring his typical dominance, even when he doesn't have to, uh, just come this Big Ten play. I hope that him only having to be tasked with 20 minutes in this game could give him a little jump start on that recovery. We will need every bit of the dominant Kalel once we uh, dive headfirst into the Big Ten season. McKenzie did well to continue fostering his uh, scoring habits in this game. Four for nine from the floor for the day. McKenzie ended his game with 12 points in his 23 minutes in, on the night. He did well to find opportunities to get his shot up. Uh, even if they didn't fall at the rate he was probably hoping for, I liked the shot selection from him. Indiana needs to get comfortable shooting, and Mbako did well to take nice shots. Worth taking. Like, really, really, I, I didn't hate the selection in this one. And uh, the Hoosiers were looking to take three or work inside and uh, not settle for the most difficult shots available in the mid-range. And McKenzie was a big part of that. Going two for six from deep isn't the most efficient shooting from, the, from deep on the night, but I still take great optimism from it just uh, due to his ability to get up good three-point attempts in his uh, shorter-than-usual time on the floor. This performance genuinely makes me hopeful for what happens when he gets locked in and starts sinking them at a higher rate. Trey Galloway was just getting everyone involved in this game. As he ended with a career-high nine assists on the day, he wasn't forcing the issue at all, and uh, he was taking the game as it came to him. While he had a quieter eight points in this, in this one, I appreciate the manner in which he was getting them. Really looking to get others involved most of the time, he took advantage of his opportunity to score when he did have them. Two for four on the day, with all those shots coming from deep, Trey had a wonderful game built on getting others going. Kicking out, lob oops. His passing was setting up the rest of our guys throughout this one. With Xavier Johnson out, good to see Trey have a game in which he can showcase some reliability as to the role of main distributor. Pairing well with him in this game in the backcourt was Gabe Cups. Gabe Cups played well defensively, followed that last defensive performance up with another. And on top of him doing the little things well, he was able to sink his lone three-point attempt in this game. Going two for three from the floor overall with two assists, Gabe worked well in the flow of the offense, moving the ball effectively as the Hoosiers were able to find the open shooter and best option routinely in this game. While he wasn't doing much to blow you away from a statistical point of view, he did plenty to play his part needed in this decisive Hoosier win. And then he's, he's, that's, Gabe Cups right now is a, a role player personified. It's just insane that our role player has to be, his, his role has to be starter. But man, he, he's doing it admirably, and uh, glad to see that he, his game is still, I mean, yeah, he's getting his game going here. That, that was all the starters talked about. Let's talk about the bench a bit. Uh, 25 points. Of course, they should be getting more time against opponents like these, uh, meaning more points. But uh, nonetheless, they all brought energy. They all brought energy into this game. And uh, they, they, brought, they brought an energy and a, and a know-how that they just didn't have during the Moorhead State game. But in particular, the Hoosiers just had another great outing from Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker brought it again. 
he he's stepping up to become a bona fide sixth man for this team right now. Following his big game against Moorhead State, Anthony brought the same confidence he had there into this one. 11 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists in his 21 minutes on the floor. He wasn't only getting it done for himself, he was playing smarter and uh, just appropriately involving his teammates when he should have. Great maturity on full display, and now I'm really glad that the, that the Hoosiers went out and got him. Just what he does to shore up some support for our starting squad is massive. It's massive. This game, this game was just a blast to watch. It is amazing how much fun you can have watching basketball when there isn't just a stress pit in your stomach as to what you are witnessing. But if I am nitpicking this game, if I am nitpicking, some of the boards that North Alabama were beating the Hoosiers out for were a problem. The game ended with the rebound battle tied at 34. While the Hoosiers cleaned it up compared to the last game, I still felt like they should have been cleaning up this stat battle in particular. But North Alabama's efforts in that category made up for their lack of size, their lack of athleticism, and had them on par with the Hoosiers here. Also, again, we had less than great shooting from the charity stripe that uh, just just could be a potential downfall for this team. In the Big Ten, if you've got to win the close ones, you need to be able to sink free throws. Those points left at the line are deadly to a team that relies on working the ball inside as much as the Hoosiers do. 9 for 14 in this game isn't a five-alarm fire scenario, but it definitely is not good enough. My want for this game is that th- th- I, I genuinely want this game, want this day to be the moment that this is the turning point moment. This is where we point to and say, oh, that's when it happened. That's when they showed up. That's when the 2023-2024 Hoosiers arrived on the scene. Yeah, I know it's North Alabama. Like You want to do it in a climactic game. But that was a totally different Hoosier squad we saw today with a totally different mentality, a totally different attitude. And I desperately hope that's the team that's showing up from now on. Delusional, maybe. Optimistic, absolutely. I just think that if these guys can reflect on what they were just able to put together, they should be fueled with confidence heading into the Kennesaw State game where they can keep the confidence train going. Build on it there. Take it into the Big Ten season, and we've got a squad. Last note on that game, like you know you are whooping a team's ass when in the last eight minutes of a game, we have the commentators talking about Indiana football. They talked about it a lot, too. And I know, hey, a new hire is always something worth mentioning, but unless they were running out of material, they don't, they don't go to that. I just don't see that. So great to see. I want to see more Indiana football talk on my Indiana basketball broadcasts because I have a feeling it means the Hoosiers are rolling. Let's get into the good, the bad, and the, and the downright ugly for that game. The good. Indiana's three-point shooting. Holy hell, Indiana's three-point shooting showed up. I mean, it showed up in the big, largest way possible. 50% on the night. Incredible. The Hoosiers, we cannot depend on them to be able to do that consistently. But man, if we can just hover below that somewhere, we are still great. We 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 need to find shooters. And uh, this is the squad we got. We need to find them here. So glad to see that Indiana was able to get some three-point shooting going in this game. The other good, Malik's huge game. Malik was just... A man on fire. I already went through it before. 26 minutes, 10 for 14 from the field, 4 for 4 from three-point range. What a monster. What a sniper. For a total of 25 points with seven rebounds. A career night for Malik, and uh, I have faith that this is just the beginning of something great for that kid. The bad. Kalel's uh, potential struggles. That I mean, it's just the inefficiency maybe. I mean, some time at home. Hey, ha- these holidays might be good for him. Just uh, let him equal back out and uh, get him right before Big Ten play. The downright ugly, for once, for once, I'm not going to put anything here. I mean, hey, I'm not going to say there was a single downright ugly thing about that. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Nobody upset me to a point where (laughs) I was getting physically ill. Just a great performance by the Hoosiers. I am not going to have a downright ugly today. There you go.
you show Walter Fisher the game, I mean, the only game, yeah, Malik. It's Malik. Of course it is. I, I literally said in the good why it's Malik. Show Walter Fisher the game for North Alabama is for sure Malik Renew. Let's get on to that Indiana news for you. Not a whole lot of Indiana news for you. Just wanted to bring up two Hoosiers absolutely killing it right now. Both at different levels of the NBA, but uh, both just killing it. Trace Jackson Davis is absolutely maximizing his NBA value. Just showing up when he's given the time. And uh, this earlier this week, Trace Jackson Davis was able to was able to post a stat line of 14, 8, 3, 2, 1. And uh, he is one of only two rookies in NBA history to ever do that. To ever achieve that stat line in less than 20 minutes with the only other player being Nikolai Jokic. I mean, that is some that is some nice company to have when you're out here doing one or two with Nikolai Jokic. That's a good place to start your NBA career. Just wanted to share that for Trace. Just great to see him having success, him getting the chance to show everybody what we all knew. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up for Indiana basketball was just in the G League showcase. OKC Blue took down the Wisconsin Herd 90-88 as Miller Cop drained 7-4-10 from deep and for a total of 27 points in the G League. Following that performance, he then went out and uh, was able to drop 21 points with five three-pointers made in the second game of the showcase. I, I, that, I feel like that's going to be a class that the further we get removed from, the more I'm going to appreciate. I appreciate the hell out of them already, but man, Trace Jackson Davis was just absolutely special, and Miller's Miller. Miller's awesome. It's great to see those guys finding their footing and uh, having some success after their time here at Indiana. Yeah, not much other Indiana news. No news is good news. It means you're staying out of the headlines. You're staying out of trouble. Let's get on to some national news and results for you. With their win over the University of North Dakota, Fran McCaffrey is now five wins from taking the program's record for total wins, which was set at 271 by Tom Davis. Iowa is about to have a new all-time winning head coach, and I mean, it only makes sense that it's Fran. Five wins away at this point. A little news from the ACC. Yeah, I'm bringing up some ACC news because it might be potential Big Ten news. Per SI's Richard Johnson. <laughs> I read that name and I thought, hey, this is probably AI. It's SI. Um, they have been using AI writers with AI profile pictures. And this guy's name is Richard Johnson. You're telling me that your name is Dick Johnson. Dick Johnson. And yeah, I'm on to you, SI. Uh, that is for sure an AI writer, but whatever the case, Friday morning, an emergency meeting of the Board of Trustees for FSU was expected to greenlight legal action described by a source as a very definitive next step on the roadmap. And if I'm not mistaken, this, uh, I believe Florida State has went forward with that legal action, like stating that the buyout clause for leaving the conference was draconian. I think that was the hot word used. But yeah, FSU is trying to get out. They're looking to get in the Big Ten or SEC, SEC it sounds like. Um, just something to keep tabs on. I think I have a feeling we're going to want to keep some round numbers, so it's a matter of them being able to find a buddy worth taking. Even numbers, my bet. But yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see where that all goes. Some news for you regarding Louisville and Kenny Payne. As a, as a Trilly Donovan weighed in on AD Josh Heard's decision to keep Kenny Payne as a head coach, when Trilly tweeted this week, spoke to one source this morning that said the school is swimming in debt and had no feasible interim options. Louisville's still on the hook for multiple buyouts from pre previous coaches, and they've dug themselves a hole with recent facility upgrades. So, where, well, I think a lot of Louisville fans thought once they got Kenny Payne out, they'd get the coach they want, the coach they need. Sounds like they might not be able to feasibly get that coach right now. And uh, just the fact that Louisville is having financial troubles, cannot find the money to fire their head coach, that is pretty astounding to me. It's Louisville basketball. All right, let's get into some of the results around the conference. 
I, before, yeah, but, but before I get into the results around the uh, conference since the last time I recorded, I thought I'd bring up that just the fact that UConn lost to Seton Hall by 15. Just absolutely nuts. Uh, the moment Donovan Klingon went out, it, the UConn just fell apart. It was wild. Just uh, just nuts. And uh, yeah, onto the Big Ten. Just thought I'd bring that up. Everyone be losing this season, including the Michigan Wolverines. Doug McDaniel led the Wolverines with his career high 33 points in Charlotte, where 101 points for Michigan wasn't enough to secure the victory over Florida. In a double overtime thriller, the Gators came out with the win, as Michigan's defense had no answer for the Gators' work inside as Michigan moves to 6-6 six and six on the season. The Maryland Terrapins hosted Nichols State Tuesday, Tuesday night, as Jameer Young was the catalyst for everything in Maryland's 73-67 win over the Colonels. Jameer Young with the impressive double-double with 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. Donta Scott finally found some semblance of an offense as he added what had to be his season high with 15 points. The Nebraska Cornhuskers hosted the University of North Dakota, as the Huskers had six players, every starter in C.J. Wilcher hit double digits and points in their 83-75 victory. Juwan Gary now in the starting lineup with the game's lone double-double with 12 points and 12 rebounds. Senior guard Tony Perkins led the way for the Hawkeyes as he had 23 points and 7 assists and 4 steals in Iowa's 103-81 win over UMBC. Northwestern held Arizona State to 14 points in the first half of their game Wednesday holding the Sun Devils to 31% from the floor and 167 from the three-point is an absolute testament to the Wildcats' defensive performance in this game. Boo Booey with the game high, 22 points, as Northwestern wins 65-46. to The rest of the games on Thursday that were played by the Big Ten, long story short, the Big Ten handled their damn business. Ohio State beats... New Orleans 78-36 as Jameson Battle hit hit five three-pointers on his way to 17 points for the Buckeyes. No surprise with 36 points scored, but Ohio State didn't allow a single privateer to hit double-digit production. Purdue beat the hell out of Jacksonville 100-57 as the bench got plenty of run, with Miles Colvin being able to drop 11 points as one of the four Boilermakers in double digits. Michigan State absolutely waxed Stony Brook 99-55 with Jaden Aikens reaching his career high with 22 points in this game. MSU had their way offensively compared to Stony Brook, with the most glaring stat being the Spartans' 33 total assists compared to Stony Brook's 7. Kanye Clary followed up his 20 points in Penn State's overtime loss to Georgia Tech with another 20-point game in the Nittany Lions' 72-55 victory over LeMoyne. LeMoyne is in their first season of D1 play, and Penn State showed what a Power 5 looks like, even a 6-6 six six Power 5. Mike Mitchell Jr. had an impressive line of 20 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds as the Golden Gophers beat Michael Lewis and the Ball State Cardinals 80-63 in Minnesota. Friday night, the Wisconsin Badgers were able to provide some perspective on Northwestern when they demolished Chicago State 80-53 on the back of A.J. Storr's 29-point performance. Maryland was able to hold on to a 20-point lead that they almost let slip away as they beat UCLA 69-60. Jameer Young with an insane 37 points. So, I mean, he has to do it for them every game. He has to have the game of his life for these guys to get it done. 69 points. He's responsible for more than half of them. Incredible. And the last game was Illinois beating Missouri 97-73. Terrence Shannon Jr. doing very Terrence Shannon Jr. things, scoring 30 points as the ranked Illini look to remain ranked. With those results in the books, I am going to get you to that preview before getting into that little Christmas segment for you. Just something different. I'm We're, we're brainstorming, spitballing here. Uh, but before all that, before we get into those, I'm going to be sharing a word from my partners here on the show. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports, a collection of podcasts 
Now, we, we have an Indiana football podcast. We have an Indiana basketball podcast. We have an Ohio State basketball podcast and an Ohio State football podcast. It's Indy, it's, it's football and basketball. You'll get your fill of both. Um, one podcast covering each school's team. And, uh, yeah, just been really fun working with these guys. And uh, glad to see where this can all go. If you would like to follow Big Banter Sports, follow them anywhere at Big Banter Sports. If you would like to follow me, follow me everywhere at Often, Often Daunted. I pretty much only tweet about this team, so uh, follow me anywhere at Often Daunted. Thank you so much for the listen, guys. Um, Yeah, stick around for the preview. All right, Kennesaw State this season is led by head coach Antoine Petaway. Prior to being named head coach of Kennesaw State, Petaway was on the Alabama staff as an assistant, then as the president of basketball operations at Alabama, then back as an assistant since he joined his alma mater staff in 2003, his alma mater being Alabama. This is his first season as Kennesaw State's head coach. As Antoine Pedway took over the job after Amir Abdul-Rahim took the South Florida job after he had taken the Owls to their first ever Division I tournament appearance last season. Kennesaw State is currently sitting at a record of 9-3 and with their three losses coming at the hands of Florida State, Eastern Carolina, and FIU. Currently, they are ranked number 210 in Kempom. Their adjusted offense ranked at 173 with their adjusted defense ranked at 253. Last year at this time, the Hoosiers were able to pull out the victory, even with Trace out with his back injury, with Jalen hood Shafino scoring 18 points to lead the Hoosiers to the 69-55 victory. This may be a good game to really put it on a Kennesaw State team who may be feeling themselves a bit after a huge margin of victory over their NAIA opponent, Bresca University. Listening in on some Owls podcasts, they said that the game was largely a joke. Uh, stating it was more of a Kennesaw State cardio conditioning event as the Owls beat Bresca 91-59. to And when discussing the play of this Owl team so far, their main source of production is the play of their 6'2 sophomore guard, Simeon Cottle. After a season as a role player coming off the bench for the tournament making Owls last year, the jump from 10 minutes per game to 31.3 hasn't slowed down Simeon a bit. He is currently averaging 16.7 points per game, as well as 3.2 assists. He is involved in everything that Kennesaw will be looking to do offensively. He already averages 7.2 three-point attempts on the season, and knowing how any mid-major is going to shoot and pray to beat the Hoosiers in Assembly Hall. I'm expecting to see Cottle get up loads of shots in this game. I will say, Moorhead made plenty of shots that I thought were well-guarded, but if the Hoosiers can't step it up even more and truly affect, if not outright contest, each shot, a shooter like Cottle and his 35% three-point shooting seem to more often than not show out in Assembly Hall. Gabe Cuffs is going to be need to be a real pest in this one when he is asked to guard up on Cottle. Joining Simeon Cottle in the backcourt and shooting at a very effective rate is 6'6 senior Quincy Adam McCoya. After two seasons at Temple, Adam McCoya transferred to Kennesaw just prior to their NCAA tournament appearance last season. Now a senior, he has really showed his ability to convert from three. As he is shooting 39% from beyond, he is coming off of a four for eight night from deep in the game prior. And he, he absolutely seems like a candidate for one of those mid-major career nights that tend to happen every so often in Assembly Hall. Yeah, that, that that's my only thoughts regarding what he could possibly do to us. It's just show up and somehow just sink everything. <laughs> the Hoosiers need to contest everything in this game. The muscle of this Kennesaw State team down low has to be 6'9", fifth-year senior, Damon Robinson. Damon is currently averaging 8.5 rebounds, leading the Owls' efforts on the glass. He is leading their rebounds after having been the second-leading offensive rebounder in the A-Sun Conference last season. He's going to be hustling his ass off for loose balls, and if Indiana is as reactionary or as seemingly just like zannied out as they seem they were, just watching the ball off the rim with their hands at their sides as they were in that Moorhead State game, DeMond is going to bring the effort necessary into Assembly Hall to make Malik and Kalel regret it. 
We need the team we saw against North Alabama, not the one we saw against Moorhead State. You could say they were the same team. No, they were two different teams. Those were different personas. Those were different mentalities on those squads. A real wild card on this roster that I wanted to point out at this time is the recent addition um, following the NCAA allowing two-time transfers back into play of Jason Holt. Jason Holt joined the Owls this season following a freshman season spent at Alabama and a sophomore season spent at Georgia. After averaging 19 minutes for 3.2 points and 3.3 rebounds a game while on the dogs, Jason has transferred down a level to really get to contribute at a higher extent than he could have potentially in the SEC. A 6'7 guard, he had the size to play power five ball, and uh, if he played in the backcourt in this game, he could present a truly unique challenge for the Hoosiers. This dude is an absolute wild card due to this being his second game after having to sit out with that uh, waiver waiting for approval prior to that. Those are just some of the names I think that we need to have circled, we need to have highlighted for this upcoming game with Kennesaw State. I believe the Hoosiers should be able to run them out of the gym. And I'm just hoping to see a lot more of what I saw in the North Alabama game and not so much what I saw in the Moorhead State game. I'm confident the Hoosiers are going to be able to take care of business, take it to them, and head into the new year with the vibes high. Here's hoping we get to see that. Now it's time for a special, very special holiday segment for you. This is going to be super dumb, but we'll get through it together. (laughs) I just wanted to... For the holidays, I wanted to go down a few of the guys on our rosters, just present gifts to them. What, what I think each of these guys could benefit from, just a, just a little gift. Now, I'm not trying to be condescending in any of this. I, I genuinely want, wish I could give this to these guys. So, here are my gifts for some of the Hoosiers on this year's squad. Peyton Sparks. Peyton Sparks. What I would wish that Santa Claus could bring to Peyton Sparks this year is an office chair massage mat. Like, I, I wish we just had that set up by his locker and he could get out these pregame jitters. I really, I, I think Peyton Sparks is exceptionally talented down low. He just comes into the game just revved up, man. The Energizer Bunny to the max. And if he can uh, settle it down, come into his own a bit, I'm excited for what he will be able to bring off the bench for the Hoosiers. For Gabe Cups, Gabe Cups, I'm really hoping that Santa brings Gabe Cups some resistance training bands. Now, I'm sure he's getting all the workout he can get. Like, uh, yeah, Indiana's strength and conditioning. Top notch, but uh, he, he might need to do it a little longer or something. I just need him to get his shot a little stronger. I mean, he he made the one three-pointer we saw in the North Alabama game, but that Moorhead State game was just a microcosm of what his shooting problem has been this season. And it just seems like if his shot was a little stronger, in order to just not have most shots like fall short and just fall off the front of the rim, seems like a lot of the shots he is taking are careening off the front of the rim. Just needs a little more behind each shot, and he's got it. It looked better against Northern Alabama, North Alabama, but it, it was absolutely abundant in Moorhead. Malik Renew. I want Santa to bring him a Rage Against the Machines album. Any of them. Just pick one. Give it to him. Give him the greatest hits. Don't get sad, Malik. Get mad. I just I just wish. Uh, yeah, I, I want that. I mean, Malik plays his game. He, he knows his game best. Maybe getting a little sad at calls like that helps him. Helps his touch or something. But if he can unlock just that animal instinct that Trace began showing... Towards the end of his time here, of course, Malik, it'll come. It'll come. He has time for it to come. But if he could really, if we could jumpstart that in any way necessary, in any way possible, that would that would be pretty nice. Rage Against the Machines album for Malik Renew. For Xavier Johnson, man, I just want you to, I just want Santa to bring him a healthy foot. <laughs> it's impossible, but bring him a healthy foot, please. Killing me. We need him back. With uh, what some of these other guys are bringing right now, it would be nice to have him back. See, because if we find anything going routinely and then we just try to throw him back into the equation, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I just wish we didn't have that injury lingering over us all season. CJ Gunn. CJ Gunn. 
If I could have Santa Claus bring you something. Santa, please bring him a metronome. CJ takes shots confidently, and I appreciate the hell out of him for doing so. But they just seem a second out of rhythm. Just a second either on the fall from the peak of his shot or the on the way up to the peak of his shot. If he could get the timing of it down, man, the confidence will fuel productive shooting for him. I'm, I'm, I'm confident in that. But yeah, a metronome. Caleb Banks. Where CJ just needs the timing. Caleb Banks, I wish I could have Santa bring him the pills from Limitless. If he can slow it all down, his athleticism will be able to do great things here at Indiana. He, he's starting to put it together a little more and more, but if he had limitless pills, man, he, he just his physical gifts would be enough to fuel something insane. If he could slow down the game, process it all, process it all as it's happening around him, he could be absolutely dangerous, even more so than he already is. So, for Anthony Walker, Anthony Walker, I want to, I want Santa to bring Anthony Walker a Viking battle horn. This guy brings the energy. Wouldn't mind him having a tool to get everyone else on his level when needed. For Trey Galloway, I want Santa to bring him a copy of Churchill Walking with Destiny by Andrew Roberts. Churchill may not have been prototypically like the persona to lead England in World War II, but damn if he wasn't the guy they needed to help America get the job done. He wasn't the man they wanted, he was the man they had. And Trey, the thing is, we want you. It may not work, but man, we want to, if, if it can work, we will work to find it a way for it to work with you. We want you in there, man. And uh, he's starting to put these performances together that are building a sense of reliability in what he is offering this team game in and game out. Nine assists on the game. Nine assists against North Alabama. He's figuring it out. Don't tell me otherwise. Kalel Ware, I, I wish Santa could just bring him 15 pounds. 15 pounds. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's carrying the weight that feels comfortable for him right now. But man, if he just had 15 pounds to throw around down low, that would probably help in some of these occasions that, uh, yeah, I can't imagine 15 pounds would hurt him. But what do I know? He's a, he's a highly athletic, way faster than he looks, seven footer. So the last on the gift list, Mackenzie Mbako. Mackenzie Mbako, if I could have Santa bring you one thing, man, it is a time machine. I just want to restart this season with what you are bringing right now. It's only going to snowball, and I would like to see Mackenzie Mbako in a fight for a Big Ten Freshman of the Year campaign with where his game can go from where we are right now. That was my super dumb, super lazy, just, yeah, segment thrown in for the holiday season. I hope you enjoyed. We'll get you on out of here with a Hoosier History hit. This is your Hoosier History hit. For your Hoosier history hit, we are talking Santa Claus, Indiana. Any listeners from Santa Claus, Indiana, shout out. Thanks for listening. I just wanted to use this holiday Hoosier history hit to shine a light on how Santa Claus got its name, a little bit about Santa Claus, Indiana. And Santa Claus, Indiana got its name as when it started out, it was a small farming settlement of German immigrants and was originally called Santa Fe. Once it became large enough in the 1850s to apply for a post office, they had sent in the application for Santa Fe, Indiana, not knowing that there was already a town by the name of Santa Fe, Indiana, further north. So, what was the move? What was the move? Well, according to local legend, it was a cold December night, and the townsfolk were gathered in a log cabin church on Christmas Eve discussing a new name for the town. Everyone got their choice in, just throwing out what they thought, when suddenly, a gust of wind blew open the church doors as the crowd could hear sleigh bells outside. The children ran through the doors screaming, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, because, I don't know, it's a dumb legend. And the name... Just came like a stroke, stroke of genius in that scenario, I guess, of course. If you can't have Santa Fe, we're going to be Santa Claus. 1850 Southern Indiana. After that insane event, <laughs> the Santa Claus Indiana Post Office was established on May 21st, 1856. 
Santa Claus was always a funny name. Even even back then, people were like, oh, it's Santa Claus, Indiana. Oh, my God. But it wasn't until Santa Claus, Indiana took a step up in its devotion to the bit when uh, James Martin, the town's 14th postmaster, began mailing responses back to people who had accidentally sent mail to Santa Claus, Indi- Santa Claus, who sent mail to Santa Claus, with it ending up at the Santa Claus post office. He began writing them back as Santa Claus. When in 1930, it really hit national like notoriety when Robert Ripley of Ripley's Believe It or Not did a story on the town and that postmaster, uh, James Martin. Yeah, just a little bit about how it got its upstart. But I do also want to say Santa Claus, Indiana, uh, crazy enough while I was just reading through this, Santa Claus Land was an old amusement park opened in the area, um, opened on August 3rd, 1946. And it was the first themed amusement park in the world. Uh, that, that is a crazy, crazy fact to me. The first themed music amusement park in the world was right here in southern Indiana. Not a whole lot else on Santa Claus, Indiana at this point. But uh, yeah, that was your Hoosier history. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Often Daunted Podcast. I cannot appreciate it enough. I, I end all these just thanking you guys profusely because I truly appreciate it. If you haven't, again, give me a follow at Often Daunted. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please feel free. Doesn't charge, doesn't cost you anything. Only boost my ego. Thank you so much. You guys have a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, any of the above. Happy Holidays to uh, anyone giving this a listen. And I hope you and yours have a great week. I will be back here with you on the December 30th, the morning after the Kennesaw State game. And I just, uh, yeah, hope you can tune back in. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great holiday. Lux at Veritas. Down with the owls. Go Hoosiers.